G'day folks, welcome to AOS Coach and in this video we are talking all things Stormcast Eternals, not just any type of Stormcast Eternals, we are talking all things dragons. The dragons have come and we're going to talk just a little dragon, not talk about all the dragons, we're talking about little dragon. And what I mean by that is my guest um, Cody Saltz has uh, done incredibly well at the LVO, went four and one with dragons. But it wasn't just a full dragon list. It was actually a mixed Stormcast list with some dragons. So I'm going to talk to Cody a little bit about what came up with this list. Where did he kind of come from? What did he learn? And also why wouldn't you just go all dragons, right? I think we've kind of seen in the meta and at tournaments, people like running the the, the Knight Draconis with all the Storm Drake Guard. So I'm going to get his take on that list versus as well the list that he ran and why pros and cons on adding you maybe liberators, vindictors, shooting, whatever it might be, maybe forminators. Maybe forminators need to be in the list. But before we get into it, Cody is hiding his visuals, not because he is Karazai and he's scarred in his face, but actually because I think he's Krondas. He actually is a dragon living in a cave. But I'll throw it over to Cody. G'day, Cody. Welcome. And uh, nice to have you here. You're also from uh, Battle Ready Wargaming. Correct me if I'm wrong. You're, you're new, yes, sir. Your yes, new sir. crew. And you got to out my secrets like that, man. I'm trying to keep myself under wraps. <laughs> so if anyone doesn't know who you are, Cody, uh, and you are mysterious, clearly, um, anything you want to introduce yourself with? Yeah, um, as you're saying, uh, I represent Battle Ready Wargaming. Um, we got a, a team that sent it out of North Florida, South Georgia. Um, just kind of getting off the ground. They actually just hosted a 40K major uh, last weekend that went swimmingly. Um, but yeah, long-term 40K player. Uh, last year, branched into Age of Sigmar. Um, honestly, like the dragons were something that got me into Age of Sigmar. They just look so cool. And some of the models for AOS, like I started out in Death. And like, I just wanted to collect the models and then we had some friends to play and then it just took off from there, man. I don't, I don't want to like throw, throw shade over the fence, but we had the better models. Like I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> like 40K got some cool models. Like you see the, um, some of the new kits out there and they're pretty cool. But I look at our kits and I'm like, man, 40K players must get jealous. And they must look over the fence thinking the grass is certainly greener, but I'm not going to throw shade at our 40K friends. Um, what what made you jump out of curiosity and I, I actually didn't know that you were a 40k player what made you make the jump yeah um so I, i've actually had this discussion with a couple of friends of mine and, and some other people who have made the jump to age of sigmar and, and like you said not to throw shade uh 40k is a great game there's a lot of tactical depth to it but there was a moment i remember distinctly where i, I had played a, an rtt I was through three rounds and I had three great games with three great opponents. No rules, quandaries, nothing. It was swimming. But of all three of those games, I kind of somebody asked me if I had fun and I just kind of stalled out a little bit because they were good games. Uh, they were quality games, good technical games of 40K. But if you ask me if I like had fun, like went to a theme park, had fun, I, I, I honestly couldn't say that I'd, I'd had a blast playing those games. And, and 40K, there's so much depth and nuance and uh nitpicking over this one guy in the squad gets this one pistol and this trait and you know um that it, at a certain point building a list feels more like homework than a hobby um but then you know one of my friends is like well come play age of sigmar with us and i i picked up a death army for the first time and with the simplified rules kind of stripped down and and more efficient and in that i think a little more elegant 
you know, it, it's hard to not get excited when a vampire lord on a zombie dragon charges unit of orc orc gorgruntas. Like, there's there's nothing about that to not enjoy. Um, so it it helps me take the game a little less serious. It feels like a little less work putting together lists. And when somebody asks me if I have fun playing Age of Sigmar, win or lose, I can generally say yes. Yeah, yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, this weekend, I just played it a tournament, like it was a store tournament. I wasn't taking it too seriously. But I just I wanted to run Kragnos and just run forward. I ran two Mega Gargans and I ran Kragnos. And my goal was just to run forward and smash things. So uh, I totally can appreciate where you're coming from with it. But let's talk Let's talk Sigma, right? So you've jumped and you've come, you come to death and you've started on death and you've landed on Stormcast. Why Stormcast and why at the LVO? And I'm really curious on this question because when I looked at the list of the LVO, and people might be wondering why on earth you keep doing all these LVO talks. Well, first off, it was it's been the, the biggest tournament we've had in a long time. 180 players, massive tournament, good diversity of lists. But what really stood out to me, Cody, and I don't know if it stood out to you, was how many Stormcast lists there were. There was like very little uh, Illumineth, very little of a whole bunch of armies, but there were so many Stormcast, like more than I would have expected. So I guess twofold, why did you go with Stormcast? And were you surprised with how many Stormcast players there were? So, uh, again, like what, what really made me jump to Stormcast is the dragons. I started out with death. I was doing really well in the season with death. But they just look so cool. And it's one of the very first times I can remember in either side, 40k Age of Sigmar with this hobby, where I was like, that. I see that. That's up for pre-order. I love that model. I'm going to play it no matter what it is. And then they released the rules, and I was just doing backflips because they were just so busted. And from the word go, their data sheet, I mean, their, their, uh, well, yeah, I'll just call it their data sheet for now. But it's all good. <laughs> war yeah. scroll. We, we all, <laughs> we all war know scroll. what you're talking about. Their war scrolls seem busted. And I, I just like the, the ability to double move them um, with the heavy armor and just pin your opponent in their deployment zone, plus all the offensive output they have just seemed really broken. And then, you know, they got one round of nerfs in the Warlord trait no longer applying to them as monsters. So no minus one to wound them. I'm like, cool, they're still good. They got two points hikes, and I still just couldn't see a way that they weren't just going to be solid on the tabletop. Um, and really, the thing that got me is that that once-per-game double move. Because even for a unit of two of them, you've got 18 wounds behind a three-up armor that you can you know all-out defense, put them on a two-up. Um, there are ways to give them feel no pains, as you've seen uh, with James List. There are other ways, you know, you can take a different uh, a different group with uh, Stormcast and give them a six of feel no pain in your objectives. But um, it was just really that ability to pin my opponent in their deployment zone and prevent them from being able to participate meaningfully with the objectives on the field. My first list, or my, my list that I was winning tournaments with death had a, a big brick of 30 wolves, the dire wolves. And I just throw a bunch of buffs on him with Belladama, auto advance him six, activate the six inch pile in, and just pile into my opponent. Hopefully, I got a uh, fight twice off. And just here's 60 wounds worth of wolves in your deployment zone, tagging everything. Chew through that. I'm going to go sit on objectives. And it felt very much the same. I can just pressure my opponent early, and it does not matter if they kill him. They just sit there clog up their side of the board and let me play the game while my opponent struggles to deal with the dragons. So they just, they started out, <laughs> I'm glad they got the nerfs, honestly, because they seemed a little impressive at first, uh, oppressive at first brush. But once they got the nerfs, you know, they're just a very stable all around unit. There's no role in the army that dragons can't serve. 
and their mobility, their versatility, their ability to, you know, even accidentally get past uh, really thick saves with the mortal wound breath. Um, they just, they do every, they participate in just about every part of their game in a meaningful way. And where they participate the most, ag agreed, I absolutely agree with you. Um, you know, anyone who has listened to the channel for a long time has heard me say, this game is a movement game, not a combat or a shooting game. Movement is number one. The rest kind of follows. This is where the dragons really play to its strengths. And whether you're bringing it in as a coalition unit into Cities of Sigma, and I want to get your thoughts as well on the two big dragons as well, because I have not seen many competitive big dragon lists. Um, and I don't know, uh, there's an interesting tournament coming up in the UK that's trialing a set of rules. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm curious about it that said that um, the Storm Drake Guard are only going to be a battle line if Krondus or Karazai is your general. I thought, oh, that's an interesting take, maybe to reduce a bit of spam going out there. Because I think one thing is people are just chucking in that Lord, uh, Lord Draconis, Lord Draconis um, mm -hmm. and then just all the little dragons. And yeah. it's a super elite army, but it's just like absolutely spamming. And I'm not saying spamming is wrong, but I think some people are just like trying to put the – uh, put the brakes on a little i i think that's perfectly fair um there was a uh there was uh, it was supposed to be a gt ended up being an rtt down in orlando uh that i went and played and we had a christmas party the night before got up at four o'clock in the morning drove the four hours down to orlando got there in time and i was so exhausted i was running off two monster that my round one i actually forgot two of my dragons i was running the 11 dragon list and i left an entire unit two of them on the bottom shelf of my cart and forgot about them. We played the game and my opponent conceded going into turn two because he was shoved in his deployment zone and almost tabled. If you can yeah, do that, that with 340 points off the board, it's probably time to address the spam issue. They Look, yeah, I'm not going to deny it. They are good. They are absolutely good. And, you know, Robert, Robert in the chat made an interesting comment and said, they're second best of everything. And I would mostly agree because they're not, uh, they're not a massive combat uh, model. Like they do good in combat, but they're not going to probably pull down a mega gargan by themselves. Um, you know, unless you've got some crazy buffs and some crazy um, uh, boost to them, right? They're not going to pull down something with shooting with fiery breath. It's way too swingy. But what they do, and they do really well, is they play in all the phases. So they are great utility model. Um, they've got the speed to be able to pin you in with um, the, the three-inch coherency. They've got uh, really fast movements, as you said, the double move once per game. Um, and they've got some good shooting attacks as well to either take out those support heroes to be able to bring down those uh, those wounds before they charge. And, just, oh, and obviously, you got some even more boosts from the the, the lance charge. So um, they are good. At, they are good, but I wouldn't say they're the greatest of everything. Except yeah, movement, they're an exceptional movement. I would agree at that, and I think I think people think about them the wrong way. Um, so when I when I when I sit down to build my list, I think hammers and anvils, and I always want something to be able to take a hit and something to be able to give a hit. And I think a lot of people look at those dragons and they think hammer, but I use them as anvils. Like it's it's like we said, if you got a unit of four dragons, that's what thirty six wounds behind a three up armor with the potential for feel no pain. That's a lot to chew through. All out defense, mystic shield. Um, if you run a cast or a castellant, you can give them just a plus one of their saves. And they just they'll they are second best at everything, but what they're really good at doing is taking that hit and being deceptively tough. 
And I, that's what I use them for, honestly, is that's with my LVO list. They were the anvil to hold things in place while the crossbows picked off what needed to be picked off. I use them as a, I use them as an anvil. All right. So we're spoiling Christmas and this is why <laughs> I wanted to talk to Cody, right? Because Cody's list, and we'll bring up the rules in a minute. And then I'll get into the list, right? Because I'd love to get Cody's thoughts on his list. And his list was a mixed list. Uh, and then we have James O'Brien's list, who had top eight with five and O, oh, but he was just all dragons. And I'd love to know the pros and cons on either side. And almost like if you go full dragons, what do you gain versus what do you lose? Versus what's probably I like more, which is that mixed arms list, having maybe some vindictors or some liberators, having some long strikes or having some, uh, I almost said castigators, and I don't want castigators. Um, I want adjudicators, you know, just a couple <laughs> of like, do I need like a Lord Relictor? Do I need Gardas? Do I do I need uh, Bastion? You know what I mean? Like that mixed force is probably more of my style as opposed to just how many Storm Drake Guard can I put into a list? I'm a little bit worried that the Stormkeep, which is a uh, Stormcast podcast, is saying that the Age of Dragon, Drakes is over. We are now entering the Age of Hearthgar Berserkers. Um, if you've been into the Fire Slayers chat lately, you would see it's a dumpster fire. People thinking it's the worst battle time <laughs> ever. But we had that a couple of months ago with Nurgle. But that actually might lead me to, you probably segued into one thing I wanted to talk about. But um, Stormkeep segued, segued me into another. So I'll, I'll quickly deviate to Stormkeep. Fire Slayers, Deepkin. Do either of those factions worry you so far? Like, obviously, it's only like battle tomes are literally hitting the shelves in the next 24 hours. Do you see a world where IDK is going to stop you from shooting what you want to shoot? Or a Fire Slayer is going to be pulling down your dragons? Oh, 100%. Um, and the Fire Slayers book has some some cool tech. Uh, not going to deny that. But I think, and this is, again, this is my personal opinion. I'm sure there's people who are going to agree with me. People are going to try to light me up in the chat. But I think the Adneth Deepkin book is the death of the Dragon Army. Because um, we've we've been doing some playtesting with the points we've had so far. And, you know, we've had the reviews coming out that give us kind of like uh, uh, the broad strokes of what the Adneth do. And even in playtesting, like, if you can control where the dragon's mortal wounds are going, like you can make a, a four man unit of dragons bounce off of Leviathan turn one. And that's mm. huge. That's huge. If the one drop all whoops, all dragons list, the alpha strike list cannot alpha strike properly. That's the list you're done because the last thing you want to do is get double turned right in the face of a deep kin army you know, when they can activate all their buffs and, and get into you back. So the ability to regulate what and where you can shoot, um we we did the math like a unit of the defense seals can really just soak a lot of the, a lot of the damage from the dragons the turtle soaks a lot of damage from the dragons um but even just the ability to just put one character and make them waste that free breath attack um from the knight draconis into like a, a cheap 115 point character or something like that here you go you can have him good ability um but I think Ideneth coming out uh, does fill a very a very good niche, and I think it does settle in nicely with the rock paper scissors of it, um, because they're very much a take the charge and then dish it back kind of army, um, whereas dragons are take the offensive and charge. So I think lists with dragons are very much going to have to change what they look like, and respect uh, that Ideneth control over the shooting phase and uh, their want to take the hit. That army is going to battle ball up, wait for you to come in, and then dish it back when you get there. Yeah, I will say that they don't have a lot of wards in their army. So 
the mortal wounds will be good for you. Um, and the drink in a second, I'm losing my voice. It's too early. Um, <laughs> mortal wounds will cut through them because they don't have a great save. But you're right. Like when we look at the control of Forgotten Nightmare, which allows them to, um, you only can target a model for shooting if it is the closest. So if they have a, a unit of defensive eels or if they can have a, a, a turtle or uh, an Eidolon or whatever, even like a cheap screen of thralls, you know, you're not going to be able to pick your shooting attack. And I partially wonder how big that's going to be, Cody, because often you're probably going to, I mean, depending on what you're about to face, there's a good chance you're going to shoot what you want to charge, unless there's a buff piece that's sitting behind that you want to get into, or maybe a juicier hero that's going to be dra dragged in um, from a pile-in perspective. So is that going to be such a big difference for, for Stormcast? And, and the reason we're talking IDK here is because, it's important to understand what meta you're leading into. While LVO was great for you, the world is changing and it will continue to change. So, you know, is spamming dragons uh, the most viable option? If IDK rises, I think there's some very serious concerns you should be thinking about if you want to do well in a tournament. Agreed. Um so the dragons do have the mobility to kind of get around the battlefield where they want to, but it's definitely going to make Idnet Thiebkin is going to make it very much harder to just step on the gas and go. Um, so, you know, we've, we've got our, we've got our free shooting um, from the Draconis for one unit, but the Draconis, you know, he doesn't get the free 12 inch pregame move. So chances are they can make sure you don't get that on turn one um, and they can kind of guide what you may get it on later. Um, but if you have to use your free double move just to get to a better target for your breath weapon, that's case the feel bads. It's not exactly a, an ideal situation. Also with the coherency, having a three inch coherency, right? If you spread out across the board and we see that a lot with the unit of four, um, you might find that your closest target, you're actually splitting the attacks against two, maybe even three units, depending on how the how much the board is compressed and where you are fighting over. So I think you'll find you're just not going to have to put in those four breath attacks and maybe even the support breath attacks if you went the extra two and two um, to be able to burninate those peasants. You're going to be splitting the attacks and those dragon breath attacks are so swingy. Um, if they spike, you're doing great. If they don't spike, you'll do like one mortal wound. And, it, and it's so hard to predict and it's so hard to to know what you're gonna do. Yeah, and if they happen if it's if you're targeting Namardi and they happen to be near that that nice tasty uh shipwreck for the feel no pain. Well the then up, if five, you're five splitting up ward? It's yeah, five it's five up ward, ward right? safe. Yeah. yeah. So if you happen if they happen to be sitting next to that and then they're smart and like make little triangles out of their Namardi to control, you're exactly right, that three-inch coherency. If you put two dragons into one 20-man brick, two dragons in another 20-man brick, and then they get a five of feel no pain, well, you might as well skip the shooting phase because you might kill a couple and they're just going to bring them back. Let's come back to Stormcast. I think we'll get to but I think it's important. It was a really good discussion. I think it's important to be thinking about the upcoming meta because IDK are popular, unlike Fire Slayers, where one, there's not many Fire Spot Slayers players out there. Two, I don't think a lot of people are going to go rush out and buy Fury of the Deep. So we don't have to worry too much. Yes, there'll be some hard lists, but certainly I wouldn't be thinking about them in the meta. Certainly, IDK, there's a good chance that you'll fight one of your armies at a five game tournament as an IDK player, they are very popular. 
But talk to me about the play style. You kind of, the other conversation we were kind of leading towards is like when I play dragons and whether it's a mixed dragon force and I just chuck in Krondus and Karazai, whether I bring in just a unit of four Storm Drake Guard or whether I go all the Storm Drake Guard, was it Lord, the Draconis plus uh, The way I was eight? running, uh, you can get an 11 dragon list if you do it right. Um, yeah, so I was looking ten, at four, Knight two, Draconis. Two, Four two 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 or four two two one one, if you really want to be uh, spicy about it. Um, I mean, and I actually isn't isn't one one. You can only have one if you've got a Lord Draconis, not Draconis. Uh, yeah, you can include a single Storm Drake guard, one unit of this type for each Knight Draconis you include in your army. So you could get just one, and then I mean, you could throw in a Relictor just for some redeploy. You know, do something else with those points. Uh, and that also gives you another hero, because um, that was a that was honestly, if we're if we're circling back into playstyle, a lot of people were asking me about the assassin that I randomly threw into my LVO list, um, the eighty point assassin, and throwing a relictor into a dragon's list would serve almost the same purpose as that. There are certain missions in our packet that you can only say take objectives from your opponent if you have a character. Well, if you've just got one knight draconis, you might be in trouble trying to take stuff from other people. So just having that in was uh, was essential, but yeah, I, I like the. I, I honestly think pivoting a little bit, um, playstyle wise, into using dragons more as counter skirmish as opposed to alpha strike elements uh, is going to be big uh, in the coming meta. Like having a one off dragon, just just the one man dragon squadron, just to use his once per game move uh, to get in there and maybe throw himself at a, an, an essential support character and then you know die to the counter strike afterwards. Cool. We've traded. We've turned off something, some element in the other person's army that we need to, be it a war chanta or a thrall master, whatever we're throwing him at. Generally, a one-man dragon squad will not punch up, but he is less valuable to our army than whatever support character we kill with him. Um, mm. So I think using those as as you know scalpels to to take out key targets is going to be big uh, coming up. But uh, in in terms of my list for LVO. Um, it was like I said, hammers and anvils. Uh, the three dragon squadrons. Uh, hold, hold, my... hold, 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 yeah, hold. I'll bring up your list. Well, I'll bring up your list soon. Let me let's not jump too deep into that. Sure. I want to get to the rules a little bit more, um, and we'll get to your list very soon. Um, with the dragons and the way you play, how do you work around having so little models on the table? And I think that is a concern for people because you don't have a lot of things to screen with. Um, Iron Jaws are becoming popular again, and they're rushing forward. Um, you, When you make a mistake, whether you get into the wrong combat, whether you just lose something because someone attacks you and you die, you know you don't have a lot of models, models to play with. And unlike Suns, where you might have four models on the table, they're quite forgiving with 35 wounds, while you really are only running around with nine wound dragons. How do you play or how do you think about your army knowing you've got so little wounds on the table and it's it's not forgiving yes um that was a huge issue with the list um it is very high risk high reward and iron jaws you're correct are 100 percent uh <laughs> a big challenge for sure uh, i played against one of the seasons of war guys at lvo and i probably spent more time in deployment measuring ranges making sure i buffered out this uh, and I was very grateful to have the Griffhounds and the Assassin for that, because in those matchups, that Assassin just stood out in the open, was a bubble of can't land here. That was its whole job. Um, but 
you really are vulnerable to other alpha strike armies and it feels a little bit like playing rocket tag um which is why for me it was very important that i get the list down to a one drop to give myself the best chance possible of going first um but any any unit you lose is a quite measurable reduction in both your offensive and defensive output um so choosing your targets uh, for a list like this is essential. If I get the first turn and I don't kill the things that can kill me back, that's uh, I can I can just hand you the win right there. Um, can, so it's about can you take selection. a punch? Like, can you take the punch with uh, the dragon? With certainly can. Yeah, uh, the dragon certainly can. Um, uh, <laughs> things like Iron Jaws hit particularly hard. Uh, I did have. Uh, like I said, I played one of the seasons of War Boys, and I had a unit of Gorgruntas fail to kill two dragons. Uh, if your opponent, you know, doesn't roll hot, you can accidentally live it, and then you, you know, they don't have the saves to really take the punch back. Um, but it really comes down to being a surgeon, like uh, that Iron Jaws list. I had a big debate with myself as to whether or not to put the crossbows in reserve because my opponent had the choice to go first or second. Do I leave them on the field and hope to take the charge, or do I put them in reserve and maybe spare them for you know killing a war chanter later, coming down and hitting Gorgruntas when they're vulnerable? Um, so using each, knowing the exact capabilities, and not only <laughs> I, I plan for failure. I try to give myself as many rerolls as possible, just because I, I know that my dice rolls are not going to go the best. I roll a lot of ones. Um, so making sure that I use each unit as efficaciously as possible, trading up when I can. Um, and then, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> what about, and, and now I'm going to bring up the rules in a minute, but I want to talk Krondus and Karazai. Where are they at when it comes to dragons? Do we take them? Do we like them? Too many points? Um, and, 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 Karazai... and before, before we enter that, it's a competitive focus team. So if you want to run the big dragon, absolutely run the big dragon. I'm not saying it's don't run it, but if you're trying to make the most of it at a tournament, Cody, now tell me just the context. I don't want people like feeling bad about running a big dragon. Oh no, for sure. Um, dragons themselves. Uh, so, so first thing I'll say is that dragons themselves uh, put magic in a weird spot. Um, if I got put into, say, a Zine Charkinist list, I would be all excited about that because on a four-up, we just ignore it. Hey, whatever. Um, so given that dragons are such a prevalent force in the meta, I feel like that makes Krondis a little worse out the gate. Uh, in addition to that, um, there are a lot of armies out there that can make exemplary use of big magic casting, multiple casts, and I don't know if Stormcast are one of them. You and me talked a little bit about them potentially, uh, Krondus at least, being a, a better fit in Cities of Sigmar. You've got mm. an ocean of depth uh, in terms of offensive, defensive spells and utility spells that you can use depending on what city you put them in. Uh, so I think Krondus definitely has a place in the meta i i haven't seen the list that makes the best use of him yet but i definitely think it'd be a city's list uh as far as kazarai goes um i was having a discussion with a friend of mine about this the other day you know he's 600 points which at a brush feels like a lot and i think when you do the math you're trading offense for defense so you know you got a a, a four stack of dragons um you got a four stack of dragons that are what 680 points i think it is 340 times two yeah 680 um and that's that's 36 wounds on a three up armor if you're looking at karazai it's 18 wounds on a three up armor for 80 fewer points 
Now, having run headlong into a Maw Crusher that managed to pick off a couple of chaff units at a time and get some extra attacks, and then have him attack me with more attacks than my model had wounds in a, in a different matchup, yes, uh, I think Karazai, if he gets to Spiral, if he gets to like maybe kill a key character here, kill a key character there, um, as he goes through, he will get very, very combat effective, and he is definitely a hammer into his own right. Um, I think he definitely has a place uh, in Stormcast lists, but I don't know if it's alongside other dragons. I think the points investment at that point is just too heavy. Yeah, I, what, what I found, so I've been playing around with Krondus and Karazai in Stormcast, and with Krondus, which is our wizardy dragon, one of the issues that I have is he does have a three-up armor save, so you can certainly all add a defense or mystic shield, and, you know, you can get that down no problem. But there's no mortal wound save. There is no uh, six-up mortal wound. There is, like, literally, uh, it doesn't even have the ignore uh, spells and endless spells on a four-up. So what I found is I had to run a unit of Praetors, or I would run um, Gardas to support Krondus, or Karazai just to keep um have a bit of a, a ward buff. Now with Karazai, which is the combaty one, it's certainly harder to, to be running around with Praetors because at least with Krondus, he doesn't have to be in combat. He's kind of trying to control the center of the board. So you can kind of advance up the board slowly, keep your Praetors within range and be taking the hits and the, and the damage from them. And maybe have Emerald Life Swarm to keep Krondus alive. I certainly would agree to you. I've been running around with Cities of Sigma in Living City and Hallow Heart, even Tempest Eye, Krondus does really well in Cities as well. But he does need much more babysitting, which then brings you up from 600 points. Now you're in the 700, 800 point mark. Then with Karazai, I'm more leaning now towards Karazai. I want to run a big dragon. Um, it's more of an armies on parade, but I also want to do well with it and um, have some lols. And I think karazai of the two in a storm drake build is probably the one that matches more of the play style you want to run forward you want to smash face it has some really good buffs but it has only 18 wounds no mortal wound save um i mean it does heal a little bit if it kills chaff it's if it's killing um units with a wound characteristic of two or less it's going to heal but it's not a lot of healing. And, you know, with, with a lot of armies right now with a big power projection of just, like, damage, whether it's wounds or mortal wounds, they can lift Karazai pretty quickly. If my opponent has six long strikes um, and you've got the Holy Command to be able to shoot in the, in, the, in the hero phase, you could probably pull down Karazai, if not significantly wound it, before the game started. So I think... I, I definitely agree with you 100%. Um, honestly, I think you'll probably get your wish here soon because uh, <laughs> I know this isn't an Ideneth podcast, but I think with Ideneth uh, coming back in or coming into the forefront of the meta, I think we'll see uh, the meta slow down a little bit. I think we'll see fewer of those Alpha Strike lists. I think we'll see more board control lists. Um, so I think in those slower matchups, Karazai has a much bigger place. Because he can't alpha strike like your four-man unit of dragons that can double move and launch himself. However, you can give your opponent turn one if they don't have a heavy shooting list, and he can darn sure peel somebody off a center objective. 
Um, so I think you're probably going to get your list as the meta evolves to adapt to Ideneth Deepkin and uh, and Fire Slayers. I think we'll see a little bit slower, less alpha strikey meta on the on the horizon. Yeah, and if I if if it does slow down to what you're potentially predicting, you know, Krondus I think is a great option. A wonderful spellcaster has some very good control spells. Whether it's the minus one to hit, rent reducing rend, um, subtracting from uh, missile attacks, uh, reducing uh, armor saves. Like there's so many cool things. Got some good mortal wound attacks. Good in combat. Um, some nice casting benefits. And as I said, you know, bring it in Emerald Life Swarm and you'll keep Cronus on the table a lot, um, especially because he's getting like plus three. Oh, he doesn't get on endless spells, but he gets like, you know, a whole bunch mm -hmm. of boosts to cast. So um, I think probably stealing, yeah, like a, stealing a note from, uh, from Gavin's book uh, from LVO uh, and running Living Cities. Eh, you save some points if you run Krondus as opposed to the the 680 point brick of of dragons. You still get the fulminators for the outflanking charge, uh, and then you can control the middle of the board with uh, with Krondus or Counter Strike with Kazari or Karazai. I think you definitely have some. Uh, I think you definitely have some options there. Living cities might be where Krondus wants to hang out. Yeah, we won't talk about those those city folk. This is the Stormcast podcast. <laughs> I'm a cities player. I'll talk, talk until the, my face turns blue talking cities. But I want to talk a little bit about the allegiance abilities. Then we're going to go to your list because we've talked a little bit about like where we think the dragons are and the pros and cons and the weaknesses and the strengths and what's coming up in the meta and you know how you're currently thinking. And we've kind of opened up Christmas presents a little bit to see that you've got an assassin in your list. Um, and we'll talk a bit why. But before we get there, you've kind of got a couple of set of rules. So first off, we have Ruined Christmas because we have got the Tempest Lord. So you have actively chosen not to be. And this one really surprised me, mate. This one really surprised me because when you often see Stormcast lists, they're usually either Hammers of Sigma or um, Hallowed Knights. I almost completely forgot it. It's literally the faction I'm running. And I almost forgot it. <laughs> you're seeing a lot of Hammers and you're seeing a lot of, uh, of Hallowed Knights but with very little seeing Tempest Lord. So I guess a couple of things is like, why did you go Signs of the Storm over Stormkeep? You know, what was it that, that it brought to the table? And then um, just Blaze of Glory coming to play. And then I guess why Tempest Lords? So remember earlier I said that I'm very bad at rolling dice. Uh, that definitely includes charges. Um, and with such a low model count in the list, uh, with so few models, I have to make sure that every single action I take is successful. And that includes not failing three-inch charges by rolling double ones and having nothing I can say about it. Um, if I can fail a charge, I'm going to. So the more re-rolls I can give myself, the more abilities I can make sure to actually get my dragons on target, I need it. Um, if for my playtesting, I found that the six-up feel-no-pain wasn't quite as useful as making the charges and getting the damage I needed. Uh, we've all had that, that one crucial charge that just didn't happen. Uh, and if I can prevent that from happening as often as possible, I'm going to take it uh, for sure. Um, and then as far as blazing, or, uh, well, go ahead. You had a second part to your question. I'll let you repeat it. No, 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 no. It's, it's a really good, like when I, when I actually revisited um, what Tempest Lords did, it completely makes sense, right? Because you've got a lot of points tied up. Because again, funnily enough, last weekend I was running, I was running Kragnos and part of the benefit and the allure to Kragnos is I get to re I get to roll three d6 for the charge, and it's not that I want to do these long bomb eighteen inch charges. It's just that consistency, especially because I've got so many points tied up in one model, 
you go in and you buff it, you do finest hour, whatever it is that you kind of apply to really boost up that round of combat. The worst thing that can happen is you fail the charge, you burn a reroll, and then nothing else can um, can can like can do another reroll. So being able to 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 reroll one of those dice without spending a command point not like it's incredible like that's a really good opportunity because it's not you re not re-rolling the whole roll you're really rolling one of the dice oh for sure that's it's so much better than just a straight re-roll because if you roll a six and a one that's an average charge you re-roll it you might get an average charge again and if you need an eight well if you can just pick up that one and re-roll that one instead of both dice all the better you've got such a higher probability of actually bombing that charge now as opposed to to just straight missing I think it's 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 very valuable for a unit for an army that has as few units as I have that has to make every action count. And you're leaning in because it has to fly. So like <laughs> your dragons are flying, so surprise. Mm -hmm. But things like fulminators and things like that who don't fly, um, you're not going to get that that benefit. So um, I, I really like that in a, a storm cast. What what are you giving up by not going hammers or hallowed hallowed knights? So a little bit of defensive potential. Well, huh, for Hallowed Knights, a lot of bit of defensive potential. Um, those ward saves are very, very valuable. And I, I saw that. We'll talk about my, my game against James in a little bit. But I definitely uh, I lose the ability to trade with other dragons as efficiently when they do have those defensive buffs, for sure. And that's what you give up. It's trading off a reliable offense for reasonable defense. And I, and I noticed that there was a few mirrors that were happening in the LVO and um, what was what was standing out in the mirror match, the Hammers versus the um, Hallowed Knights, was that ward save um, and that consistent ward save from Hallowed Knights that was probably giving them that significant leg up in the mirror. So um, should dragons get incredibly popular and you're seeing lots of people running around with dragons, um, that could be a consideration for you because you wouldn't be able to use Gardas outside of Hallowed Knights. Hammers of Sigma gives you that uh, ward save of six up when you're within range of an objective. Bastion's cool if you want to run Bastion, but like you're really giving up the ward, right? And like, do you really want to be hang sitting dragons on top of objectives? Well, I guess it depends on where the fight is. Yeah, that character giving out the five up feel no pain is 100% the edge. Uh, you're 100% you're correct in the, uh, the counter matchup. Like if you're fighting dragons versus dragons, suddenly their mortal wound breath is doing even less uh, than it normally would, and you're ignoring, effectively ignoring a third of their melee damage. And when you have, as, as we said, such limited resources to pull from, and you can just save a third more wounds for free, you're, you're going to win that race. One thing I noticed as well from my games is um, initially, because I was playing like a, I want to say a similar list. It wasn't the same list as you, but it had the same premise of like, I wasn't going in all on dragons. I wanted to have some Vindictors and I wanted to have some other units as well as dragons. And initially I was playing with um, Stormkeep and, you know, my Vindictors were sitting on objectives and all the, all the great benefits. But one thing I noticed from playing Stormkeep with dragons was that I'm really reliant or probably over-reliant on the Lord Relictor. And especially because I had Gardas or being able to like get people within certain range of my buffs and the dragons move so fast, it is hard to be in range of things like Mystic Shield and things like that. So I, I found much more success flipping out from the Stormkeep to Scions 
so that when I've got Gardas, for example, I can drop him where I need to, as opposed to relying on translocation, having the artifact to re-roll it. And it's an easy target for your opponent to take out that Lord Relictor and you've lost some of that mobility and those buffs that you need, or, you know, you're out of range for them. Yes. Um, and that's something I borrowed heavily from, from my years with 40 K because 40 K does very much have uh, a rocket tag aspect to it. They've, they've modified their, their boards a little bit these days. So where there's better line of sight blocking, but it used to be, you know, go first, shoot the thing that's important, take it off the field. So I learned to, protect those key pieces of the army and anytime i can if i have a choice between having an army that can hide things in reserve until they're useful or having to start them on the field i'm going to lean towards being able to protect them keep them in reserves and make sure they can come down when they need to well let's talk your list let's actually bring up the list so i've been teasing it a little bit and um so this is your list um you were battle regiment right didn't come yes. through, it didn't come yeah it didn't come through um, it didn't come through through Battlescribe for some reason when I was looking at the uh, the lists, but um, that's a whole other thing with Battlescribe. Use War Scroll Builder, <laughs> kids. Use War Scroll for Builder. For sure, yes. Please do. So you've got yourself – so you were obviously Signs of the Storm. You've gone Tempest Lord. You've gone Hold the Line as your grand strategy. And then your list becomes really interesting. You've got the Assassin, which is your Cities of Sigmar ally. You've got yourself the Knight Draconis, and it's all kitted out to the to the max, right? You've got the Celestial Instincts. You've got the Arcane Tone for Flaming Weapon, Master of Magic. So you have got your magic ability within the Knight Draconis, and then it's following along supporting your Storm Drake Guard. You've got, speaking of which, you've got three units of Storm Drake Guard, all with lances, so none with swords. So I want to know why you went lances, not swords. Griffhounds. Griffhounds. <laughs> I, I need to know why you've got Griffhounds because <laughs> I love them. People have heard me talk about them. I used to run them a lot in first edition, but because you've got to take them in a block of six and of the coherency thing, like let me spread them out like threes, like, like dragons, like let me spread them out, my doggos, uh, and it will be all good. But then you've also got your six long strikes. So um, having those raptors either in the backfield or coming down from the from the skies. Uh, all wrapped up in a tidy battle regiment. So I guess what was the thinking here and what were you trying to achieve with this list? Give me give me the rundown. Um so we we kind of discussed already that uh that the point was to be able to get on target and take out the things that are most important early. Uh the Vanguard Raptors, the long strike crossbows, um able to able to fire twice uh once per game. Uh, can be instrumental in softening up a hard target for a charge. Like if if it's Gargants, obviously I'm going to put the, both volleys into the same Gargant before a unit or two of Stormdrake Guard hits it. Um, they're really, really good uh, at taking out characters. Uh, so in the, uh, like, just those Raptors by themselves warped every match because they have to respect them. No matter what your opponent's running, unless you're IDNF, you have to respect those those six Raptors with the long strike crossbows. Um, my match against James, you should have seen the Tetris going on to make sure all of his dragons that were starting on the field could fit in the one corner I gave him outside of the crossbow range. Um, we fought. I fought Longboard against Iron Jaws, and everybody in that entire army was just as far in the back as they could go. Just because if you do get one of those war chances in range of a unit of Vanguard Raptors, well, suddenly you're not getting your two damage on your Gorgrunters anymore. So they're able to pick apart 
uh, with pinpoint accuracy, the pieces that make your opponent's army work. And from there, if it's just unit without buffs versus unit without buffs, generally the Storm Drake Guard are going to come out on top. Like you said, they're second best at everything. But if you don't have any buffs to put on your units, and I do, cool. Um, the Griffhounds were always instrumental in, in area denial. That was their entire yeah, talk job. Talk to me about the, the Griffhounds, because most people, if they had the points, they would go Liberators, they'd go Vindictors, they would go um judicators they would go something or even a, a, another a support hero they would find themselves at lord relictor or um what's the what's the the dude with the bow people are loving right now um i've forgotten his name judicator yeah mm -hmm. they're not judicator like people are, people are going into that or hell you could even take like a knight azeros who's running up the board giving you that plus one bubble so why the doggos why the good boys <laughs> first of all i love me some good boys um but uh second Honestly, uh, area denial and warning cry being able to buff out from the Vanguard Raptors and have warning cry up. Um, we have in my local meta, we have a lot of people summoning demons. There's a lot of demons going around and a lot of people who love their annihilator spam lists. Um, if I can make you drop outside of charge range of my Vanguard Raptors and also get a free shooting phase into you, if I happen to be within 12 of 12 um, for the warning cry, more power to it because I, I haven't seen anything saying with Warning Cry that it's once per turn. The way the rule reads, whenever a unit is set up for the first time, you can fire. So if your opponent deep strikes three units of Annihilators, mm, looks like to me you get three different shooting phases at three different units, which seems pretty punishing. Um, so anytime you can give the main hammer in the army more chances to shoot is ideal. Uh, there were matchups I played where people had things in reserves or things they could summon where there is just an area of the board around those Griffhounds, and I just shaped them kind of like a T-bone every game. Um, there's an area around those Vanguard, or around the, uh, the Griffhounds that they just cannot summon and cannot land if they're arriving from reserve for the first time. So having area denial like that is golden. Um, doesn't do anything for redeploy or, you know, picking things up and putting them back down. But as far as any army that wants to keep things in reserve and deep strike them on top of you, you really just can't do it in range of the Griffhounds if they're near the, uh, the Raptors. And to Robert's point in the chat there, the core rules do limit us to having up to two shooting uh, or uh, combat uh, attacks uh, in a single phase. So uh, if someone did three, three um, drop in from reserve, so if they drop three units of Annihilators, you don't be able to do two of the three because you're only allowed to do shoot or attack twice. Sure, it's fair enough. That's one of the core cool rules. But but I guess what you're hearing from the war and cry is that you, you can stack. So if they drop two units of annihilators to then kind of charge you, you've got two triggers to to shoot, which um, is incredible value, especially with. I mean, you have to shoot at whatever's charging, but it's it's so much better than an unleash hell. For sure, and thank you for for pointing out for the main rules. And kind of, you know, I, I clearly had that uh, errant belief, and I'm glad somebody corrected it, and I'm glad for the form that it was corrected in. But that was the power of the Griffhounds, is that that literally never came up. Nobody gave me a chance to do that. Nobody was willing to take the risk of dropping. Like, the Griffhounds just being there mean it's not going to happen. Nobody wants to take a free Vanguard Raptor shooting phase. No, because you, you'll, you know, with the amount of mortal wounds that are triggered off the long strikes, um, there's a good chance you'll either delete or at least, and because it's not just, um, it's not just one unit that gets to shoot. 
you can pick up to three units that can shoot within 12. So if they happen to turn one, try to alpha strike you, and um, you've got your dragons in range as well, you'd be able to apply those breath attacks as well as the long strikes. It's not just one, it's up to three units that can shoot, which uh, as long as they're, they're within 12, uh, wholly within 12 inches of the doggos. Yeah, it's it's a very cool ability, and it, it definitely helps create area denial. In, an, in a, a list that little... doesn't have much screens, you know? Yeah, and I was literally about to say that. Like, it's a good little unit that screens. It complements the shooting really well. But also, if they if they die, um, you don't give away broken ranks. So it's a, it's a really good screen. And to your point, it's a good deterrent for someone that could do it. Probably he's not going to want to do it anymore because three annihilators dropping in and and no, that's just one of many examples that could could mm -hmm. do that. But they're probably more consistent, being that you know with the Lord Imperitant, you can do the seven inch rerollable charge um, from Deep Strike. They'll delete the three annihilators. Like they've got no chance against the the, the six long strikes uh, being triggered by the the Griffhounds. For sure, um, they're also just so cheap and really just aren't a threat uh, by themselves, which is, you know, the hallmark of its screening unit, that with everything else in my list, people just didn't target them. They want to get to the Raptors. They want to get to the Storm Drake Guard. They want to kill my characters. So that means I've got six Griffhounds floating around late game, just go cap an objective here, or maybe tie up a character, you know, in the backfield if they can get there. They move at a pretty good clip, and people need to devote their firepower to the things that are more damaging the army, so they get away scot-free most games. So talk to me about the dragon. So you've got your three units of three. Sorry, three units of two storm. I wish it was three units of three. <laughs> <laughs> First off, why why no block of four? I think that's probably what we see very commonly is you've got that block of four and it's that super easy target for uh, all that attack or all that defense, the Nitrocodus buff, all that stuff. Why would you spread out your power against three three units of two? Um, mostly, uh, I, there were a couple of things that went into that decision. One, I needed battle line, uh, and uh, two units, a uh, two man storm drake guard unit is just a really solid all around defensive profile in terms of battle line. We talked about them being anvils rather than hammers. Um, so three hundred and forty points for you know eighteen wounds behind a three up save is is pretty good. Um, they can accidentally Overwatch fairly well if somebody charges in and you uh, you unleash hell on them um yeah there was one point at which i i accidentally spiked like 11 damage on a flame attack when somebody charged me cool spicy i love it um yeah, but i've also done it where they've done like two mortal wounds yeah or just nothing yeah i've, I've done it before it's just there's the one and the two cool come on in um, but three units of two gives me a lot of, it's, it's like we said, it's the, it's the high mobility. Uh, there's nowhere on the board that they can't reach and having more units of them gives me more chances to steal objectives from other people who might only have a few models on this objectives over here. Cause remember they, they do, they are still monsters. Um, so the faster they go and the further they go and the more they can spread out, the better they are. Um, I like running them in the minimum units because it also means your opponent has to make more decisions. Um, yes. Because if you give somebody a four-man brick, you've given them a good target. And yes, you can all-out defense, you can cast Mystic Shield on it, but if they've got Mortal Wound output or if they've got heavy hitters, all of it's going into the 680 points you just served them on a platter. So a list like this makes your opponent make more decisions, and the more decisions they make, the better the chance they'll make a bad one.
Yeah, 100%. And that's probably, I really wanted you to call that out because the unit E4 is really tempting, but then it gives you, uh, your opponent, that easy target to go, right, well, I clearly know all the buffs are going to go here. The combat is likely to follow this particular unit because it has the Lancers, it's a unit of four. That's where you're going to do the damage. And the unit of four is going to do incredible damage between the shooting and the combat phase. But when you've got three units of two, you re it's really hard to know where the combat's going to be. You can swing them to all support each other, or you can spread them out and have, you know, wherever wherever the fight needs to be. So, but why why no swords? I think, you know, people people love the lances and it's obviously great for the charge, but I, I've also seen discussions around the swords and I, I guess it depends on the, the grind versus do I want to do damage, you know, up front but where are you at why why all three i've just seen a lot of people mix it up and have like a bit of a bit of this and a bit of that i have two um bear in mind with the list i'm using them as anvils rather than hammers um the whole point of being one drop is to get in my opponent's face with the storm drake guard as fast as possible and pin them in the deployment zone to keep them from getting to the vanguard raptors and the lances give me that little extra AP or that little extra rend on the chart. I keep going back to 40k. Turn. It's all good. It's all good. We, we, all, we know <laughs> it, where you're going. It gives me that a little extra rend on the charge. And I I just can't intellectually get my head around running something rend one when all out defense is a thing to just ignore it. I always want to have some kind of advantage over my opponent's defenses. And that's where I think the lances uh, took it for me. It's just if I'm going to be in my opponent's face and I'm going to be charging turn one anyway, my objective is to take as much off the field on turn one as I can. And that means getting around defenses, uh, especially if I'm alpha striking, getting around like my opponent won't have the chance to cast Mystic Shield or to, you know, put on their defensive buffs, which means all they've really got uh, for my turn one charges is all out defense. And you know, I get around that with Ren 2 a little bit better. Yeah. The, the challenge, obviously, is going to be if you don't delete or do the damage that you need to do um, and you're stuck there with the grind, those Lancers are only three attacks, threes, threes, Ren 1 for 1. So you do really good damage on the charge, but once there, once you do that, then um, if you're stuck in the grind, and I guess the, the, the key to this is try to avoid the grind try to do as much damage as possible, pick your targets and get into what you need to and know exactly what your damage capabilities are. And because, yeah, if you're stuck in the grind, three attacks is not going to get you out after the after the charge. Right. I definitely agree with you. Um, they're, they're not good at prolonged combat by any means. However, they are really good at just being in combat while long strikes take out other targets. And once they're in there, it, the long strikes are there to kill the targets that I need dead. Once the drakes are in there, their job is to hold people. Their job is not at that point to kill anything. I've, I've done more work with just Storm Drake Guard taking a turn of combat and then falling back with the one remaining guy on three onto an objective somewhere and making them chase him uh, while I get another turn with the Raptors just because the Storm Drake Guard are pinning something. Like I'll, I'll tag as many targets that can't reasonably kill the guard back as I can and just let them fight. Uh, if I lose a dragon here, I lose a dragon there, fine. But as long as they're holding people in place, they're doing their job. And if you've got a unit of two and you you do lose one, one is still a significant threat. So, you you know, you, it's, it's, it, you don't have to worry too much because one can still work. How do you play with the, the, the coherency? Do you have them spread out within three? And I think, again, that's one of the benefits of having a unit of four 
is the amount of uh, board dominance you can have by having, you know, one, three inch, one, three inch, and you can really spread out across the board. It also means you're susceptible to being able to be pinned or to be stuck in combat and you can't get out because only one of them or two of them are in combat actually fighting. So, yes, talk to me about your coherency and how you play around with it. Sure. Um, so the co the three inch coherency definitely can let you tag, uh, as I said, as many targets as you can. Those bases are some big ovals and the ability to have them three inches apart means I can tie up more units. I can use that extra reach to grab another 10 man squad that might have been able to run onto that objective and take it from me. Um, but just uh, that's mainly what I use it for is keeping the coherency while I fight in two different directions. Um, I've also used it uh, with the way the ovals are shaped and the three inches behind to exclude a character from combat that I didn't want to drag into engagement range and fight his friends on either side. That three inch engagement range or the, the, yeah, the three inch coherency rule for them just it does. You're, you're absolutely correct. It gives you so much to work with in terms of your movement and positioning. Uh, the uh, the match I played against the gentleman from uh, from Seasons of War up in Canada, um, he had that that big orc war chief that had the destroyer axe, and I really didn't want to tag him. So I charged the unit of Gorgruntus, and I tagged Gorgruntus on one side, the Grotz he had on the other side, and that guy just got to sit in the middle and stare at both because he was just barely out of range of both. Was that Carl? I think so. I think it so. Will, it, it wouldn't have been Jordan, and certainly... Uh... I think it was Carl. Um, yeah, no, yeah. It must have been Carl. Cool. Yes. Um, yeah, no, and I think I think it's good, but it also is a trap that you can fall into coherency and you can get brought into combat. And if you especially got a unit of four, um you could get tied up pretty easily if you're not being careful of where you're moving and piling in in the combats, because all it takes is one model to pin one dragon, and that big conga line of your unit of four. Uh, are pinned and it's not like you can pile in and try to like you know get out of a, a deep combat you're stuck so you're gonna have to retreat so you know keep that in mind i guess um brent brent asked you know have we ever tried at least with artillery my honest answer is i can't justify our stormcast artillery when i have <laughs> when i have i i love the idea don't get me wrong but it's almost it, like if I'm going to add something a bit spicy, I'm probably going to go with the chariot instead of the artillery. I just, I can't justify it. Like I'd rather judicators, I'd love, I'd rather long, I'd, I'd rather prosecutors than artillery. And I'm not trying to bag you up, Brent, but like I look at that war scroll and I'm like, I can't justify you. And, you know, to Stormkeep's point, the night judicator, when you look at that model, there's a reason why that particular model is in a lot of lists because it is probably doing the role of artillery but better. I, I agree with you. I, it's hard for me to choose uh, one of the, the ballistas when I have access to, you know, Vanguard Raptors with sniper crossbows. And, you know, I, I, I hate to, uh, I hate to admit that rule of cool has bled into my list building a little bit, but let's be honest, what's cooler, an artillery piece in the backboard or throwing a couple of extra dragons at somebody like it just, it feels more fun. It feels better on the tabletop. Uh, at, le at least for me, like the aesthetic of just dragons charging across the field is just so cool. Um, and yeah, I, I think the crossbow or the, uh, the the artillery pieces had their day in the sun. They were pretty good uh, last book for Stormcast. They put in some some good work. Um, and we got to remember at the end of the day, Games Workshop is a model selling company. And if they make the stuff that was good last edition, good this edition, well, nobody's buying the new stuff they're coming out with. So 
I think that lends in too. Yeah, if I think if I think about the um, the artillery piece, and then probably the buffs that's going to need, I'm gonna probably going to need a uh, what's it called the uh, ordinator, the Lord Ordinator. I'm going to need the Lord yes. Ordinator to buff it as well. I'm pro- if I'm going to bring in a Lord Ordinator, I'm probably going to need a second artillery piece to at least justify the costs between the two plus the hero. I don't know the actual real maths, but I'm guessing it's around 500 points, give or take. So, um, you know, again, am I better off having two night adjudicators or a unit of raptors or something else? I think, you know, I think we've already answered the question, but um, not to say don't run it, but I think from like what I think the challenge right now is, you know, points are up, board sizes are down. You really need to look into getting the most out of your points. And it's partially why battle line if and unlocking battle line is so incredible value when you look at the fact that if you didn't unlock the storm drake guard and let's say that night draconis wasn't the general then you need to fit in at least three units of liberators into this list or three units of vindictors and all of a sudden you know your power projection and the list that you want to create is fundamentally different i agree um i i very much like units that can operate without support and storm drake guard very much can vanguard raptors very much can um anytime you have to start taking taxes to support units that's the unit more expensive you were talking about the unit of praetors running with crondus uh well suddenly crondus is what 765 and unit of praetors is 165 so him going from 600 blank to now we have to support him to keep him alive for 765 and if we want to buff him anymore it's more anytime you can get around taxes that's great and you're right unlocking storm Drake guard as battle line means i don't have to waste points on on liberators or small units i can run the units that operate without other support that function well independently as we were talking about earlier like the vanguard raptors in the list to remove those pieces of support from other people's lists so they function worse well if my units function without support just fine and yours don't once the support's dead the game's gonna fall out how it falls um so i i definitely i like avoiding tax units and that includes anytime i have to take three or four other units to make one unit good nobody nobody likes paying taxes and to what Stormkeep (laughs) said in the chat i think it's a really good call out and i will shout it out and i want to get your thoughts on james o'brien's list in a minute but i also do want to just understand your um nitroconus options right so Stormkeep said you know stemming spamming ballistas isn't a very good and the ordinator is expensive true we've established that but part of the call out i wanted to make was adding one ballista to the list with a Toralon, which is really good right now. Toralon, Toralon, uh, the um, the Toralon has become um, hot in the current game. Um, with the Ren 3 shooting attack is hot. And yeah, I, I would agree with that one. That's um, one little cheeky threat that no one's going to be targeting. Good option. Would I go multiple? Hells to the no. <laughs> Agreed. But is it better than a, like a, a Knight Judicator? I'll leave you to be the judge. But now you can tell me, Cody, why would you go Celestial uh, Instincts? Why would you go the Arcane Tome as your only artifact option? Why would you try to bring spellcasting to this list? So the Knight Draconis is my one predominant character. The Assassin is just gravy. Um, Celestial Instincts was the best of the mount traits, honestly. Uh, if, if If we're keeping it candid, I don't think the mount traits for Stormcasts are particularly good overall um so celestial instincts was the one that i thought i might be able to to get some use out of the others didn't really 
thematically fit with the list. They didn't functionally fit with the list. So it was, it was the one I could go with. Um, as far as arcane tome, uh, it was flaming weapon. Um, the ability to, uh, cast flaming weapon on himself or, uh, cast mystic shield on one of those units of drakes that I'm about to launch across the field. Remember the drakes in my list are their entire purpose is to tie somebody up. So if I can put one in your face with mystic shield, all out defense, another one, I've got two units of dragons, 18 wounds, two up armor that you have to get through before you can go out and touch objectives. Um, so turn one, his ability to increase the defenses on the dragons and the, the turns after that, the subsequent turns, uh, being able to turn on flaming weapon, flaming weapon lets the Knight Draconis punch way outside his weight class. Um, mm. there's, there's not a whole lot in the game that's not intimidated by a best day ever, <laughs> Uh, Titanic Duel all out attack, uh, flaming weaponed Knight Draconis just breathing down their neck. He's a beat stick in his own right, and Arcane Tone flaming weapon just makes him so much better. Yeah, and and you know if you always need the defensive prowess, you've also got the uh, you know Mystic Shield. You know you can do an Arcane Bolt if you need to. There's a co a couple of good little options out there giving you magic because you're right. Without any, without the, the the arcane tome, there's some good there's some good artifacts. You know, if you don't want to dip into the arcane tome, but you do lose playing in a phase because you have no other magic options. You either need to bring in like a, a battle mage, you need to bring in some type of magic caster from your own lists, um, or you can do it instinctively to to um, the knight draconis with the artifact choice. So, yeah. and I think that's probably one thing I've, I I noticed when I was playing that storm keep build was that. If I have a foot troop wizard, because I don't have a lot of points to spend on other wizards, you, you it's quite hard to keep within buff range. While if you put it on your Knight Draconis, he's following you around. He's got the speed to be keeping up with the, the Storm Drake Guard. So you're always going to be in the buff ranges to be able to put what you need to be putting on when you need it. For sure. And he's never really in as much danger as people think he is. I mean, he's still you know, double digit wounds, three up armor. And then if your opponent looks like they're going to threaten him in a turn, you can, you can generally see from the board setup, whether he's vulnerable and going to take a charge. Um, you always have finest hour. Uh, you can finest hour him and then he can, there's, there's stuff can kill him, but he can, he can take a lot of punishment at that point. What about the assassin? What's the, what's the role of the assassin? Like what they, what can they do? Um, the assassin is in there, as I said, um, predominantly, huh, I'm going to be honest. I, I had a hundred points left, uh, or I had, uh, I had 90 points left 90 and points. the assassin was 80 of them. Uh, it took up a good spot because there's not a whole lot else in the Stormcast codex that I wanted. Um, a unit of Aether wings maybe could have come in handy to pair with the Vanguard Raptors. So I didn't have to all out attack them, but honestly having the extra character, um, was very, very useful. Uh, there ended up not being any missions uh, at LVO that keyed off characters holding objectives. Um, but that was the thought. But that assassin also can just be area denial for 80 points. Like oftentimes you'd see the Griffhounds and the Vanguard Raptors on one side of my deployment and the assassin on the other, just creating a bubble of you can't uh, teleport or deep strike in this area. Um, she's great for hiding behind ruins or terrain and then ducking out and grabbing an objective right quick. And she is not a slouch in combat. If somebody's just holding a, an objective with a couple of little units or a five-man squad of this, five-man squad of that, she can get in there and actually put out some damage. 
I was just looking at the rules. I just want to check something because one of the hidden benefits is going to be literally being able to hide the assassin, but you wouldn't get that benefit because it needs to be a Cities of Sigma unit with five or more models. I was trying to see, could you hide the assassin in the Vanguard Raptors or the, no, the Griff no, Hounds? No. And the answer would be no. So the assassin is on the table, not hiding, not coming from Signs of the Storm. Um, it's walking up the board. Correct. Um. Yeah, but you know, you you auto runner, she can get around the board pretty quick. Um, I I very much wished uh, that she could be hidden in the Griffhounds unit. I even had a, a fun little idea for a conversion. Uh, unfortunately, that's not legal. But I, like, I had an extra Griffhound head, and I was going to do like a cloak of feathers, and, like just blending in. But no, um, she doesn't benefit from really any of the special rules that she has access to. She's just an eighty point mini beat stick. Um, she'll kill. Uh, mage characters without really getting killed back. Um, those little, you know, dinky support characters. Uh, she's good for chipping away at the last couple of wounds on something here or there. Um, just general utility, honestly. Yes, you, you've got it there as an extra hero for those. Because you're right, probably, especially for those tournaments that don't announce their missions in advance, um, you need that extra hero because if you happen to play that particular battle plan and you've only got one hero, which is that Knight Draconis, the minute you lose that, you you know, you don't have a lot of options, especially if you do come up against a turn one alpha strike battle regiment style build who can project power like you, um, you. You've lost your ability to score. So good, good thoughts. Anything else you'd want to mention about this list or should I go into the James O'Brien list? And obviously, no. you know, probably other people have run lists like it, but it's just just the alternative, I guess, of going all in. Yeah, I, I think if I was going to make one change to this list in the future, um, obviously I'm, with respect to the new books coming out, I'll be making quite a few uh, changes on the horizon. But I think I do uh, tag out the Assassin for Aetherwings. Um, it leaves me with one less character, but uh, it does give me that extra extra fly-around unit to just grab objectives later. They're faster than the, object the Assassin is. Um and they, you know, if they're accidentally within crossbow range, uh, the Vanguard Raptors within 12 inches of something, Vanguard Raptors would get their benefit, um, which is always nice. Unfortunately, I lose one drop at that point. So there's a whole slew of other considerations that go into that because that takes me to six unit choices. Um, mm. But, you know, the Assassin was good. She was probably the best use of that 90 points I could have had given the books that I was pulling from. But, you know, there's definitely other things to consider and I'd probably go a different direction in the future. And I guess if you drop the assassin, you could go for the triumph. Absolutely. Get yourself aether wings, get yourself endless spells. Uh, there's a lot of cool things you could possibly do with it, but you're right. Then you'd lose the battle regiment. So, you know, but what, before I move into the other list, what would happen to your list if you lost battle regiment? So if you went warlord or some other option, how important is going one drop for yourself? For this list, very important. Um, this list wants to alpha strike and it cannot particularly take one. Um, my, my orcs player, let me go first. My Ehrlich war, war clans player, let me go first. Uh, I was lucky enough to win the roll off against James. So I got to go first there, but I really don't want to get just crippled turn one. Uh, like we said, I don't have a whole lot of spare parts to play with. So to speak, every unit I lose, every unit that gets weakened is a measurable reduction in my offensive capacity, especially the Vanguard Raptors. So going first for this list in the environment of other alpha striking dragon armies was imperative to stay competitive. 
Um, there was just no way a two drop was going to cut it in a land of one drops. Would you put things like your Vanguard Raptors into reserve if you found yourself in a like a um, a situation where it's one drop? Um, you were concerned that someone is going to um, to get you first or has the ability to go first. Would you put some of these things into the sky? I actually uh, that the entire person a reason I took uh, the entire reason I didn't go Stormkeep was so I could protect those Vanguard Raptors by putting them into the sky. And I did play a Lumineth matchup where uh, my opponent won the roll-off. He was going to get the choice was to go first or second. And I null-deployed a uh, unit of Storm Drake Guard and the, and the Vanguard Raptors. Um, and just everything else was in a corner. And my opponent, uh, he, he told me that that was part of the thing that made him go second. He gave me first turn was the Vanguard Raptors weren't on the field. They weren't mm. going to get their double shots on turn one. Um, and... You know, I, it's 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 not what I want. I want to go first, but keeping them safe is better than losing their shooting altogether. Correct. I guess the challenge with you putting them into reserve and even just the challenge in general is because you've only got really one hero, the Holy Command is going to require you to be in range of that Night Lord or, you know, Draconis model. So if you put them into reserve, you're still going to need the Knight Draconis to be in range to be able to apply the the Holy Command, the Thunderstrike, Thunderbolt Volley, um, so they can't self-buff, right? So, you know, it's going to be good for getting around things like the Forgotten Nightmares. Like if you do play IDK, you can at least drop them where you want to be shooting, but you're going to need a support piece. If this becomes the the, the meta and the the gatekeeper into, you know, winning a game, you're going to need a support hero that's going to come down with the Vanguard Raptors. Uh, to ensure they get to use the Holy Command. But even then, the Holy Command happens in the hero phase and you drop down in the sh- in the movement phase. So um, you're really hoping for the double turn. The double turn is nice. Um, but yeah, you're you're 100% correct. It takes it takes a little bit of pre-planning and, and forethought into where you want to be going, not this turn, but the one after it. Yeah, yeah. and you're obviously hoping for the double turn, right? Like, you can't Always. guarantee it. <laughs> Always. <laughs> I guarantee it. So, like, you know, do I am I going to put my uh, my models out in the wind and uh, hope for the best? Probably not. So, pros and cons. But I think it's a great list, and I think it's a great option. And you know, whether you go, you know, some people might go, as you said, you know, put down some aether wings, get some uh, liberators. You know, you might reinvest the the doggos into getting a different support hero. That knight judicator, for example, could be a good option. But then you lose the the rousing war cry. I guess it depends on how much in you know models coming in from reserve is in your in your meta and how big of an issue it could be but i think what you shared was a really cool option and certainly a good basis for people who might want to run some dragons they don't want to buy all the dragons they might want to bring in a little bit um yeah now yeah. this is james's list and this is probably I, I, i'm bringing this up because it's a more common list just seeing in in the game this is um i don't think james created it it's just someone i've saw and done done really well um so i'm not like trademarking it to james but you know what you're seeing here is a couple of um it's, it's certainly all in on um on those storm drake guards so you've got the unit of six storm drake guard you've got two units of two and then a unit of four sorry unit of four um, you've still got your Nitrocodus, but you've got your Lord Castellan and you've also got Gardas as well. Still one drops. Ignore the four drops. I'm a potato. It's a one drop list. Um, 
editing, quick, quick editing. That was from my saga, literally the, the discussion last week from Sons. I forgot to edit it. Um, but talk to me about um, about this type of list. Like what do you gain and what do you lose from a list like this? So um, I really like James' list. It's very strong. Obviously, it beat me. Um, but I really like this list because it is, number one, it's one drop. So it's still able to alpha strike. Um, the Castellant and Gardas can stay in reserves, so it can Alpha Strike and bring its character support with it. Like, honestly, you'll you'll just start the Castellant on the backboard, buff the guard, launch everything across the field, which is exactly what uh, what, what James did. Um, however, uh, it also has a lot more play involving Gardas at counteracting the other Dragon lists. Like, mm. this in the Mirror Match, having Gardas in the list gives you an advantage big time. You get to negate a bunch of their shooting, which is all mortal wounds. You get to uh, negate a bunch of their damage. And just honestly, dragon on dragon, this list is going to win that slugfest. And you see he's got the warblades, um, so he is planning on that protracted engagement. And just over mm. time, this list will wear its opponent down faster than its opponent will wear it down. And that's exactly what happened with us. Um, honestly, in my first round, or in our first round of combat against James, I don't think James killed a single dragon even though I was in combat with him on my turn one. But over the course of the game and over the course of the turns, his dragons were more durable than mine. Mine started going down faster than his started going down to the point where he had more than half of his left on the field, I think, at the end of the game, and all of mine were dead. So it's just in that prolonged, protracted, uh, just slugfest, this one has more defense, and that very much, very much came into play in our match. Do you remember what he did with the Lord Castellan? I'm, I'm assuming he, he's applying the plus one to the saves of one unit. And it's a quite a generous 18-inch uh, kind of range to be able to apply the Warding Lantern. Or was he going for more of the um, the the other role with the, the D3 damage? Oh, it was 100% buff, the uh, the Drakes. Um, I, can, I can give you the play-by-play -play of that match. I remembered every moment of it. We, uh, we, you know, kind of talked it out. James was a great guy. I very much hope I get to play him again. He was an absolute gentleman. One of my favorite upper echelon opponents I've, I've played in Age of Sigmar. Um, but we rolled off for it. Um, I got uh, the ability to choose whether to go first or not. Uh, so he castled up most of his dragons in reserve. He had two other two dragons, or he had most of his dragons in a corner. I basically I dropped my. Uh, my my big crossbow unit on one side of the field to try and preclude him from controlling that half of the board. I was lucky enough to have a a garrisonable ruin uh, that conferred the six of feel no pain from mysterious parade, uh, terrain that I was planning on castling them up in. Um, so I stationed them near that and still like left them out in the open so they had you know a wide field of fire. He put all of his dragons in the very back corner of the map, kept some stuff in reserve, uh, including Gardas. And I took first turn, and we kind of looked at each other. I was like, all right, well, let's see if I can do the damage. I launched all my dragons across the field, engaged. I think I killed two from his four-man, one from one of his two-mans. So we had three dragons down out of the list. Uh, he punched back, didn't kill any of my dragons. Um, but what he did do was successfully prevent me from ever getting to use Thunderbolt Volley. I never got to fire the crossbows twice. He was just out of range from the word go. Um, I had to keep... It was it was part of the problem because I had to keep, as we were saying, the Knight Draconis back within range of the crossbows to have the potential to Thunderbolt volley in the future. 
So I couldn't even be as aggressive with the Draconis as I would have normally liked to. Um, and then me and him kind of looked at each other. We talked it out and he had some really rough roles. Like I remember I had a dragon on one wound uh, in his shooting phase. And he rolled three different dragons worth of shooting into it and got the one of the two every single time. Um, so I was feeling pretty good about that because he had chosen to try and kill that unit as his, uh, his kill a battle line. And I was just giddy. Um, and, and me and him kind of looked at each other and he's like, I think, uh, I think whoever wins this roll off wins the round. And I, I looked at the board and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we rolled off for it and he got a six, I got a one. And I kind of looked at him and I was like, well, that's definitive. Um, so then he was able to get another turn, a second uh, consecutive turn of breath weapons back into my dragons in close combat. Um, and he aimed for it. It was, it, was, it was good play on his part. He dropped one of his units of dragons on turn one and didn't really do anything with it, just aiming to hop over my skirmish screens and charge into those Vanguard Raptors on turn two if he got the turn two. Um, so it was, we, we both acknowledged that it was kind of an all in situation. Like either he was going to get the turn, kill the crossbows or the crossbows were going to come online and just start clearing dragons. Uh, yeah. he won the roll off and that was, that was the game, man. I think I, I think I got tabled at the end of, at the end of three or beginning of four. So it was, it was a good game. It was a very tight game. Yeah, no, I, I dig it. And I think I think what I really learned from that, or at least enjoyable, is to hear how these play out. And I guess one one thing that's going to work really well in an all dragons list is what you do, you do really well. But when you start coming up against certain lists, and I think, you know, there will be counterplays coming up. And, you know, like I almost, at the tournament that I just came from last week, I almost ran 160 grots because I think one of the things that's going to pop up pretty soon is a horde meta, or at least people are going to be looking. And I don't, I don't know. I talked to Gavin um, who won the LVO and Gav was talking to me about, you know, the durability and being able to sustain damage. So whether it is something like Nurgle that can just have an, an industrial amount of like ward saves and healing, or you something like soul black grave Lords. I played a, a game against 60 zombies the other, the other day. Right. You know, just a, a, pure, a huge amount of, a, of wounds that have a good ward save that can heal itself up, or you just throw cheap bodies. Like if you had six, six long strikes at my 160 grots, I don't care. Shoot my full wound hero. I don't care. Like I've still got 160 wounds on an objective. Um, and, you know, for the dragons, yeah, you do a bunch of mortal wounds, but is it enough to pull down 160 grots? And I've got like a minus one, you know, to hit net around as well. Like, you know what I mean? So... There is a bit of a counter probably coming, but we're already seeing it through IDK with the the Forgotten Nightmares, and you know we'll see more of that come out. Who knows what happens when Nighthaunt drops pretty soon, right? You know we'll have to have um, ignoring Rend as well. So a lot of things will come up in the game that'll make us change. And I think one thing that I really like about yours is you could adjust and keep the core of the dragons if that's what you really want to play but then flip out some other meta options and maybe you, if, if deep striking kind of drops, pull out the Griff Hounds. You can pull back on the Assassin, pull out on different models and interchange it with maybe it's Judicators. Maybe you need more volume of attacks. Maybe the Storm, the, the Chariot is actually a great option now. You know what I mean? Like you can interchange. For sure. Um, and I, I, I definitely think Hordes are a pretty solid counter to the Oops All Dragons list and uh beasts of chaos are coming my friend beasts of chaos that that oh that totem that is so cool that that white dwarf is uh is uh, once those people dust off their uh their models and they turn them from square bases to round bases b6 
be scared of the beast of chaos but uh between them and our gloom spike gets i think um you know a, a meta counter will come and um it'll be hard for you to chew through you know like you know so many wounds so i think uh i honestly think the death list that i was running prior to switching into stormcast eternals would give the oops all dragons list fits because that yeah. list was running 40 direwolves and 80 zombies um it topped out if i got to, and it, i had a gargant in it as well just for the ren three but it topped out if you killed everything and i got to bring everything back at over 300 wounds it's a dps check for sure and dragons are great at killing high value good armor targets but they're not good at killing 80 zombies it's just a lot to chew on well we saw levan who went to the finals of the lvo had two units of 60 zombies plus a mega gargant so just having an industrial amount of of wounds that can heal up, that have the gravesite wards, all of these things. Like it's a lot of bodies and a lot of things. And I think it is the one of the natural counters to this scalpel, mortal wound, pick off the heroes because they don't care about the heroes. Cool. Just flood the ball with a bunch of necromancers. Okay. Target the necromancers. I've still got a couple left. True. <laughs> yeah. And and I think uh, I think scaling back from the big unit of six crossbows, especially with Ideneth coming in and neutering shooting already, I think three crossbows is enough to uh, a three man squad of crossbows enough to pick off a necromancer or a vampire that's you know passing out buffs. They're not going to do the same kind of terror work they do against you know a big unit of gore grunters that just doesn't want to take the shots, but they can still serve that scalpel purpose without soaking up so many points that you can't put in some horde clearance units. And Stormcast definitely do have some units that are very, very good at clearing hordes. So maybe that's the trade-out we make, is to make sure we've got another piece in the toolkit uh, tailored towards uh, helping us with that matchup, for sure. So wrapping things up a little, like what were the keys to your success? Like if I'm going to run dragons, whether it is all dragons, whether it's some dragons, um, like what were, what were the keys to your success and... Maybe I've got one more question that's burning that I've got to ask. <laughs> Crossbows of the future. People, people look, and you know what? Like Matt, Matt from uh, Team Canada has made a really good call as well. Um, you know, like dragons are so good outside of Stormcast. Like Hello Hut Crondus makes me drool. Like just wizardy Crondus in, in Stormcast. Please don't change coalition because they do <laughs> incredibly well. Uh, people are just like obsessing with crossbows in the chat. Like, oh, there's chop crossbows, crossbows, crossbows. Everyone's having a crossbow party. But back to you, what were the keys to your success? So an understanding of the meta, honestly. Um, I, I had to know what I was going to be fighting. I, I went over list after list after list. Like the plane ride to LVO was just scrolling through, check the next list, look through it. Um, and then... You know, I'm I'm still fairly new to Age of Sigmar. Um, I got my first brush uh, actually uh, at the Invitational um, out in Texas, where where uh, one of the fine gentlemen from the Harambe's Heroes from out in Texas introduced me in the most violent way possible to uh, what Gorgruntas do. I think I was tabled on three with that you know massive zombies and direwolves list, um, but I didn't know what the list did, um, and then once i learned it once i i figured out which pieces make it work then you learn what you need to focus on so choosing your targets choosing your battles knowing what you can engage what you need to stay away from is key to running an elite army like this knowing what those crossbows need to draw a bead on to keep you in the game versus what you're just going to be wasting shots into um and that that made all the difference 
Um, like I made one mistake, one turn of putting the crossbows into a group of Luminous Sentinels, a 30 man squad of Luminous Sentinels. And with all the ways he had to rally an Emerald Life Swarm and get them back. Protection, protection of Hish, so you got the five up ward, then they got the Emerald Life Swarm to bring back D6, double tap it. it could be... I literally could have, I, I just wasted a turn of shooting because every model I killed, he had back the next turn. And that's a mistake I won't make again. I'll focus something else. Um, the next turn, I focused on the foxes he had, and the crossbows per shooting phase picked up a fox. Cool. That's, you know, 300 some odd points per shot I fire. That's just mine. I just, I just that far ahead. So knowing what you can get away with shooting, what you can't get away with shooting, and knowing where your pieces are best served, knowing your matchups, that's, that's the big one. How did you learn? How did you learn? Because that's, it's important. First off, I tell people, learn your army before you learn the, 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 the meta, right? Because I do see a lot of people chopping and changing their lists and trying to find this optimum build. And in that pursuit of the optimum build, they don't practice nearly enough and they don't know their army as well and the potential and what they do in certain... Like I'll, I'll stress test my army all the time. Like what happens if I lose this key piece? What happens if I don't have all that attack? What happens if this happens and, you know, I'm down? Like what is the capability of my force? But once you kind of got a good understanding of what your army does and, you know, you've tested it out a fair bit, you then try to learn other people's armies. And there are so many different armies and there are so many different var variants. And it's not like... 40k where 40k and again i'm not throwing shade over the fence but 40k does have those dominant runaway builds in every codex and you, you quickly see you know there's always these terrorizing factions but in aos it seems like there's always like five five factions that do well but it's not necessarily one build so i guess my question to you is how did you go about learning about the other armies did you worry about every army under the sun did you like how did you do it so i am i am in a lot of different chats uh, we've got a couple of chats in in florida uh, we got our boys with battle ready wargaming who who do some playing um but honestly uh <laughs> we started out with just friday night whiskey and warhammer nights where i just invite all of our friends the people we know who play just sigmar just grab an army bring a six pack and just come over and we just play games and we just play games. And sometimes we're up till like two, three in the morning on a Saturday, just from noon till two thirty. Just cool. Beast of Chaos never fought them. Hop on the tabletop. And the first couple of times I try into a new army or a new list, I want to know what the worst outcome is. So I I don't have them tell me what the tricks are. I let them happen to me. That way it never happens again. I know what to watch out for. I know what people are setting up for. Uh and then just if you are unfamiliar with the meta, there are a couple of questions that I always ask my opponents at the beginning of my rounds. Do you have any way to redeploy your units? Do you have any way to char to run and shoot, fall back and shoot? Um, do you have any way to leave combat for free? Um, just kind of stuff like that. Do you have any way to bodyguard characters to you know get wounds off that I might put on your characters? And just asking those questions, and even if you're completely blank on your army, just asking what those tricks might be your opponent doesn't have an obligation to walk through their list and say every little gotcha they've got. But if you ask those questions, most people, that's, that's something I've really liked about this community is that most people are gentlemen. If you ask what the list does, you ask them to explain it, they'll tell you. If you ask what the tricks are, do you have any way to redeploy? Nobody's going to lie to you and gotcha later. It's just not, it's not going to happen. So just asking those questions up front and getting a, a fairly clear understanding of what the, where the buffs are coming from, who's doing what, 
and then making your decisions from there. Asking those questions up front is life or death. The, the key to it is, and I, I agree with you, uh, the key to it is asking the right questions. Um, this time last year, if anyone wants, wants to know what type of questions to ask, go back. I've actually got a video on like top six questions that I ask every opponent. The, the key is to ask the right questions. And, um, you know, it could be how many drops. It could be, um, can you run and charge? Because it might, might d determine if you um, give away first turn or, you know, you give away. Like, what's what's the threat range? Is like, how far can you move, shoot, charge, all of those things, right? Um, you know, do you get any pluses to the cast? Like, whatever. And, and it's going to change depending on the armies and depending on the situations. And in your case, you want to know how, where and how you make the most of your long strikes or things like that. But asking the right questions is absolutely critical. Um, to Matt's point as well, you know, in the chat, you know, if, if you know your army really well, you'll get a couple of wins. You know, it, it you'll you'll get into analysis paralysis if you try to understand how to counter deep kin and storm and then you know the mirror matchup, and then you play Zinge, and then you play like all these different factions, because the way you respond to one army is going to be different to another, and you can't have all the answers in one list because For you sure. just don't have the points and it just means you be the jack of all trades the master of none there's been tournaments where i'll play all of the hot meta armies there's been tournaments where i played none of them some of them i've played multiple times one faction multiple times at a tournament you just don't know how the cookie is going to crumble for sure i think a big one these days is uh what ways do you have to get models back like how can you recur models that's a huge one these days because I've I've watched it happen where somebody had a six man unit of dragons down to one dragon and they pressed the rally button and rolled three sixes and man that's a case of the feel bads. <laughs> can they ally with can they ally fire slayers? Imagine the four up the four up bring back a dragon. I'm so glad they came out and said that's not going to be a thing. Don't worry about it. Like immediately it, everybody's like, you know what you're doing. Sit back down. <laughs> yeah, well, when I looked at the battle tome, for anyone who doesn't know, what we're talking about in the fire slayers. There's one of the little heroes that does uh uh read not read employee uh rally they rally. Do rally on a four up and i think stormcast is one of the few people that can ally fire slayers so it means that you could be rallying a dragon on a four up but you can't do it because it's not keyworded but it needs to be faq so don't go and run by by that rune master or whoever it is that's doing it you're, you're wasting a couple of dollars yeah the internet went crazy for a couple of days on that and then they came <laughs> out with a it's not going to be that way don't worry about it <laughs> It should have been keyworded. It should just be keyword fire slayers. Anyway, uh, last question I've got for you is um, how do you deploy? With so little models, how do you deploy? And obviously it's going to change depending on who you're fighting, but do you have any tactics or thoughts around your deployment? Thank you, Matt. It is the Battlesmith, yes. Please don't yes. go out and buy a Battlesmith until it's FAQ'd and then we see. Like, if it's if it's actually four-up rally for everybody in order, happy days go buy a battlesmith yeah that would be that would be tasty um <laughs> so bring back like your four your forminators on a four up bringing back dragons on a four up what a nightmare that's a dirty meta um but yeah so as far as deployment goes uh that depends on the roll off that's the biggest determining factor if i win the roll off and i'm going first hey baby it's all on the line like i'm gonna put everybody on the line those crossbows are gonna be dead center where they can reach whatever you put wherever you put it to make sure that you either put give me targets or put your stuff all the way in the back corners. 
Or if they win the roll off and they're going to have the choice, I'm going to null deploy. I'm going to put everything on the back line because that's what dragons are so good at with that once per game movement is making up that distance. If there are objectors in the middle of the table that you think you're just going to hop on and hold, I can put, start off on my back line in my back corner and still threaten almost every objective on the board very quickly. Um, so null deploying with dragons is amazing. It's amazing. You, It's one of the few armies where you can do that and not lose a turn. Um, hmm. You can very much easily catch back up, get back to the middle, contest or take those objectives from your opponent and potentially forbid them from some very damaging shooting. No, I dig it. Absolutely. And it does allow you to play the field. I think it, it plays well to me as well because I, I don't like to play aggressive. Uh, I'm more of a counter style play. So I'll, I, I never take battle regiment because I don't care about it. Like you want to, you want me to go first? Cool. I'll go do something. You want me to go second? Cool. I'll go do something. It's never a part of like my, I do this, then this, then this, either the plan works or the plan doesn't work. And the dragons play well to that, which is again, why I, I was drawn to it uh, compared to like the fulminators, like the fulminators are stronger. They're cheaper. They shouldn't be cheaper, but they are cheaper. Um, <laughs> But, but like they don't have the counterplay. Like they've got one trick, they do it really well. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, and I'm not drawn to the Forminators. I think we Plus all know not nearly as cool. Yeah, I, I think we all know what you're paying for with the difference in price between the Forminators and the Dragons is that free once per game movement. That's it. That's the money. Like that's the difference between the Dragons being as slow as Forminators and not being able to Alpha Strike effectively, or just being wherever they want to be immediately. Yeah, I, I saw Matt's uh, Matt's comment there. They do it in even better cities. Yeah, fulminators are the trickiest, trickiest thing in 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 Living City. It's dirty. But outside even, of that, even, if you're just even like Tempest, not even yeah. in Tempest Die, you get the plus three movement, plus one armor save in the first battle round. Like that's normally enough to to, to get you into combat. For sure, um, but the dragons aren't reliant on anything to do it. They function in every phase of the game exactly as they want to, pretty effectively. And that's the difference. That's what you're paying for is is arguably the best all-around unit in the game. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I hope they don't go up any more in points. I think their points, you start pointing them too aggressively and you're going to see them out of the game. Um, maybe the battle line if will change. If, if, if we really get into a crazy type of like, you know, everyone's just running dragons, maybe battle line will change and maybe um you know there's been the rumors of a wizardy night draconis maybe that comes in and changes the way you you kick them out a little bit or whatever but um i'm a big fan of dragons either either way and i think um whether you go all or none or you're a potato like me and you love to run krondus and karazai and i've got both of them <laughs> I've, i i got both i actually have both not magnetized but i can't justify both on the tables either one or the other they're both very cool uh, I'm probably a Karazai man at the moment. Um, if the meta shifts a little bit and it comes back to, as you said, slows down and there's a bit more board control and Nurgly types to grind us down and Deepkin's, you know, denying our shooting and, you know, more of those type of armies. Night Nighthorn is another one. Maybe Krondo will come out and hit the table again, but I just needed too much protection from him for those Praetors or Gardas. Yeah, I think for me, I drop off a little bit more on the number of dragons as well. Uh, I've, I said earlier, I like the one-off dragon. Uh, just so run the Draconis, your one-off one-man dragon squad, and maybe a two-man battle line. Um, yeah. Just to have some of that maneuverability, that late-game objective capping, and some of the counterplay and counter moves. 
Um, and then you've got plenty of points to play with for the rest of the army. You've got so many options in Stormcast. Um, but I think yeah. I'm pivoting more to using them as a quality skirmish unit rather than an alpha striking frontline. Mm. I think, uh, yeah, I think people are learning how to play against them. And it's, it's like, you know, the current suns, like, you know, suns were terrorizing in the first part of uh, third edition. I think, you know, dragons are now kind of like, everyone's like, oh, shiny and cool. And everyone's the game of thrones with all their dragons and their D and D and all that type of thing. And they'll, they'll be, they'll come a time where people will learn how to counter them, how to pull them down and realize they don't have enough bodies on the objectives. They're not doing nearly enough, enough damage on the breath weapon. So maybe the spam is not the right approach. So I'm not trying to put it down on their kids, but, uh, you know, like enjoy the time in the sun. Um, you know, people will build counters pretty quickly. So I think what you've done, which is that mixed com combined force, which is having some dragons, but also some other things, whether it is your long strikes, your judicators, your night, your night judicator, there's whatever. Liberators, I think, still have a play. Um, chariots. I really like chariots. I really like the Stormcast chariot. I th I think they've they're also a high mobility jack of all trades unit, and I think they're going to see some play as well. Yeah, interesting. And Matt's Matt from um, Team Canada saying there's no Storm Drake guard in this GT. Interesting. Sounds very interesting. But Cody, is there any, anyone you want to shout out? Anything else you want to share? We've we've obviously had a really cool deep dive into the dragons, and you know, take from this what you will, kids. Um, we're not saying that Krondus and Karazai are not good. It's just if I was taking them to a tournament for the points investment and also the points that I need to keep them around, um, it is a big point sink. And when you look at the comparison of having just even just more Storm Drake guard, um, you get more wounds, probably consistent damage output, give or take. Uh, you're probably better off, you know, to maximize those Storm Drake Guard. But uh, if you want to run Krondo, if you want to run Karazai, if you want to run a mixed force or a full force, uh, you do you. Um, there are competitive builds, but just know that probably if you want the most optimum, it's going to be around lots and lots and lots of Storm Drake Guard. But you've proven, Cody, that you can go four and one with a mixed force. And hey, you've pulled out doggos, you've pulled out some units that we probably weren't expecting from a four and one list. For sure. And I would say, honestly, just have fun with it. Don't take the game too seriously, especially if you're running dragons. Like, you get to run dragons. It's one of the few times in this game where, like, the rule of cool, the models I was really excited about running, actually turned out to be good. So, win or lose, you still get to run dragons, man. And that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's just an absolute potato fest of just, like, running around with our dragons and gargants and, you know, now magma drops a battle line. So, who knows? It's just going to be... The, the race to how many how little models you have on the table but i can't um, wait to watch the look on some people's face the first time a four-man unit of dragons bounces off a of leviathan whoopsie doopsie <laughs> i don't I did, think they uh, i it. did yeah no they won't know i uh, i smashed a turtle over the weekend with kragnos so that was fun but uh has a little bit more hitting power than a dragon mm -hmm, for sure just a, just a little that uh that that damage four mace is just brutal. But um, you're from the battle ready game war gaming group. Do you want to give them a shout out? Anyone you want to kind of sh yeah shout out? Absolutely. Kind of uh, just always thank you to our sponsor Robert. Uh, he runs our little group uh, of degenerates. Uh, he's the one that ran that big uh, that well. It was almost a major. We had some drops, but the major up in uh, Albany uh, this past weekend. He puts together good events and he he 
tries to get the right kind of players, guys that are going to be bros in addition to just being good players. So shout out to all my teammates for always being quality at events and for representing well. And, uh, you know, thanks to all my opponents for for teaching me the lessons that have helped me get this far by beating them over my head. <laughs> oh, oh, and your, sh- your sponsor, not mine. I get no money from that. <laughs> for sure i have no sponsors my people my people are my sponsors uh but cody this was awesome uh this was really cool in fact i'm going to be painting this weekend my dragon so uh Kragnos is done tournament is over it's all on the next one and all my dragons are built ready to be painted uh just going to do a, a final few customizations and then i'm going to paint them but you're a legend thank you so much for your insights folks if you enjoyed it you know what to do like subscribe hashtag all that good stuff uh thank you everyone to my patrons thank you for everyone who has joined the live stream or you're watching this on replay and until next time roll more sixes thanks for sticking around until the end i hope you found that video interesting and you walked away with a few new ideas if you did i would appreciate it if you hit like on the video as well as left me a comment let me know what your thoughts are in the comment section below The conversation will continue over on Discord, so leave down below in the episode description if you want to join the Discord and continue the Age of Sigmar conversation. I want to give a massive shout out as well to these absolute bloody legends, these champions who have continued to support me through Patreon or YouTube members. That is going directly into supporting the maintenance and the growth of this channel. So thank you very much, guys. Much appreciated. And until next time, roll more sixes.